God's grace, God's mercy, and God's peace to you in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Does anybody know uh, where Handy Elementary School is? Anybody know where that is? Handy Elementary? Handy Elementary, right over there on the corner of Handy and Collins in the city of Orange. I lived over there in the presidential track. Uh, for many of my childhood years, I played a bunch of Little League games over there with my friends. We would go there on the weekends, ride our BMX bikes, play on the playground, play on the field, all that sort of stuff. Well, one Saturday, my mom, <clears throat> she was hosting this huge party over at our house for a friend of hers. And so I kind of left the party because, you know, I wanted to go hang out with my friends. didn't really want to be around all these old people, which were probably in their 30s at the time. And uh, so I went over there, went down to Handy to play with my friends, get out of the, the party. We were down there, and one of us had a bright idea of climbing up onto the roof of the school. I think it was to get a tennis ball up there or something like that. I'm pretty sure it was innocent. And long story short, the OUSD security forces, this guy had a uniform on, so I thought he was a police officer. He caught us up on the roof. He took us down into the offices. We were lectured. We were reprimanded. There was talk about our permanent record, all this stuff going down. My mom was called out from the party. She had to come down. Other parents could get us at the school. I was embarrassed, right? I was ashamed. And I thought for sure it was going on my permanent record, right? And the way the police, police officer was talking, he made it sound like for sure I was destined to a life of juvie and crime and prison. My permanent record tainted forever. Life was over for me, right? And as an elementary kid, I seriously at the time thought my life was over, right? I'm not going to go to college. I'm not going to have a career. I'm not going to be a success. I was a victim of my own stupidity or peer pressure or innocent retrieval of a tennis ball on a roof. I don't know. But would I ever be able to start my life over? Came home embarrassed and ashamed. All these adults like knew I got in trouble. Looking back at it though, looking back at it, you know, I think about it at the time. I seriously thought, right, as an elementary kid, something like that goes on. You seriously think that your life is over, right? You are filled with shame. It's going on the permanent record, all that sort of stuff. I didn't think I had a future after that event. It really did as a child, feel like my life was collapsing around me. What would they write on my epitaph after such a crime? But as an adult, looking back on it, right, it's kind of funny, right? My permanent record wasn't affected. They expunged it. You know, I even became a pastor, and everything worked out fine. But man, it kind of took me a, a bit of time to realize that what had happened and what I had done was redeemable. Now, as an adult, Looking back on it, it's sort of silly. But as a kid, it was very real. And it got me thinking about the other times in my life when I felt the exact same way as I felt that day. But not as a kid, but as an adult. When I felt like my world had collapsed around me. And the circumstances were far more adult-like than they were childlike. And the implications were far more serious than in childhood. Times in my life when I thought my life was over, or at least the life that I envisioned, the life that I dreamed was over. And at that moment, in those very moments, everything seems lost and everything seems hopeless. Anybody ever had something like that in their life before? Maybe it was something you did. Maybe it was something that was done to you. 
Maybe it's just something that just happened and your world seems to crumble down. Life as you know it is over and the future, it seems undiscernible. Now, I know when I look back at those times in my life, I've been able to see the good that came out of them. How those times were actually good for me. How those times actually forced me to rely on God in ways I never would have without that problem. And to search my soul for my true identity. And where do I find my true identity, my true worth, and my true purpose in life? And I learned that times like like these, when I thought life was over, when it felt like it was kind of the end of my world... Christ took a painful ending, led me to a new place, gave me a new hope, gave me a new life, gave me a new dream of the future. I heard someone say, new dreams arise when old ones crumble. You may notice that in our scripture readings of the last few weeks and at the end of this kind of church year, every year it's kind of like this, the lectionary scripture readings, they focus on endings. Actually, the ending of the world as we know it. The consummation of all creation, the end of time, the second coming of our Lord Jesus. And actually, in today's gospel reading, our gospel passage, Jesus predicts the end, the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem, actually. It's around 30 AD. He predicts what's going to happen around 70 AD. No one knows when it's going to happen, but 40 years later, we know that it did happen. And he's giving them a picture. He's envisioning the future where ritual sacrifice that happened in the temple, that happened in Jerusalem, that he's saying all of it's going to come tumbling down. And the one thing that the Jewish people could be certain of, this, the, the temple and the sacrificial system and where the pro- promise where God would be. I mean, if the temple were ever destroyed for them, it would be like the end of the world for God's chosen people. And Jesus is talking about it. Luke chapter 21, verse 5, goes like this. Some of his disciples were remarking about how, he, how the temple was adorned with beautiful stones and with gifts dedicated to God. But Jesus said, as for what you see here, the time will come when not one stone will be left on another. Every one of those stones will be thrown down. This is the temple. Teacher, they asked, well, when will these things happen? What will be the sign that they are about to take place? He replied, watch out that you're not deceived. He's saying, don't be led astray. Don't be focused on the end times and the signs and all this stuff that's going to happen. He's actually saying, focused on being ready and being prepared. He says, for many will come in my name, claiming I am he and the time is near. It's going to sound all religious. He's saying, don't follow them. Don't go after them. Don't journey after them. Don't walk and live in that way. In verse 9, he says, when you hear of wars and uprisings, don't be frightened. These things must happen first, but the end of the temple will not come right away. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, famines, and pestilences in various places, fearful events, and great signs from heaven. These things have happened in every generation, right? That happened in that generation up before the destruction of the temple. But Jesus said, but before all of this, speaking to his disciples, he's saying, they're going to seize you and persecute you. They will hand you over, betray you to synagogues and put you in prison. And you will be brought before kings and governors all on account of my name. He's saying, you're going to be betrayed by Jews and Gentile because you believe in me, because you're one of my disciples. In verse 13, he says, so you will bear testimony to me. But he says, make up your mind. Not to worry beforehand 
how you will defend yourselves. For I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. You will be betrayed, even by parents, brothers and sisters, relatives, friends, and they will put some of you to death. Everyone will hate you because of me. I mean, their world is being rocked right now, the disciples, right? Jesus is saying, your peaceful world that as you know it is coming to an end. It's sobering stuff. I mean, if I felt like the world was going to collapse around me when I got caught on the roof of Handy Elementary School, right? Imagine the disciples hearing their rabbi say these things, that the temple would be destroyed, that the sacrificial system would be gone, the place where God promised to dwell with his people, gone. And persecution's coming. So instantly they're asking, well, when's it going to happen and what's going to be the sign to warn us? But if we hear a text like this and that's all that we focus on, questions like when, when it's going to happen, when it's going to go, how are we going to tell? I think we're missing some of the main points. See, I'm not sure Jesus described the end of the temple and the end of Jerusalem so that his followers could stockpile food, move to a bunker and live in fear. When the Lord spoke those words, and if you keep reading the gospel, he goes on to talk about the end of the world, but he knew what he was trying to convey. And so we, inspired by the Spirit, we kind of listen as best as we can to these texts that are kind of hard, and we wrestle with them, and these vivid portrayals and gospel passages like these, they, they speak to us all sorts of truths on many levels, but one truth that I think today that we could focus on, that I think Jesus' destruction and his description of the destruction of the temple and Jerusalem, one thing that it teaches us about times in our lives, moments in our lives, when we feel like our world is crumbling down, our world is following, falling apart, that perhaps we can reminded, be reminded of God's ability to work in the midst of those times. You see, Jesus continues on in this text, and after he says all this bad stuff is going to happen, he states this. He says, but not a hair of your head will perish. I mean, in those words, he's indicating that even though some of you, my disciples, might die because of your faith in me, for eternity, you will live in the new creation, the new heavens, and the new earth. But he also said, for here and now, verse 19, stand firm. Stand firm and you will win life. Well, stand firm upon what? The temple is going to be destroyed. Where the presence of God is. Where is the presence of God going to be? Where would we worship? Where would we gather? Where would God be? Where would we stand firm? It's going to be gone. When the people of God thought that it was over because the temple was destroyed, Jerusalem destroyed, Jesus is reminding, reminding them in these words that, and what is to come, that he is the presence of God. That a new dream, a new reality, a new future beyond what they were ever thinking could be possible. Jesus was saying that all these stones in the temple being torn down doesn't matter. He's saying the only stone that matters is me. And the scriptures talk about him that way. The scriptures say Jesus is the living stone, that he's the cornerstone that the builders rejected, but that everything would be built upon him. Jesus is the rock to stand on. Luke 21 verse 19, stand firm upon the rock and you will win life. And so perhaps one of the things that this text is reminding us today is that through the mystery of Jesus dying and rising, a new temple was created. 
That the presence of God in Jesus, the presence of God in his baptized followers, the presence of God in his word, in his supper, in the gift of baptism, we experience the presence of God. That is the temple. It's a new and it's a more compelling picture of the presence of God amongst humanity. It's the church. It's the body of Christ. Jesus was creating a new thing when something crumbled down. And so maybe just in all of that, maybe we can learn in all of that the possibility. We could see the possibility of a new beginning coming out of any painful ending in our lives. If God can do that there, he can do that in our lives. Maybe that we can trust that painful endings can lead to a new and more abundant life and dream for the future. Luke 21, verse 19, stand firm and you will win life. I'm going to bet that in the past 12 months, many of you in this room experienced some kind of painful ending in your life. Some of your dreams or part of your dreams have crumbled. Part of the world that you have built up has fallen apart. Some of your hopes have been dashed. Something or someone in your life you thought that you could always count on, you always could trust, has been taken away for whatever reason, and your life has crumbled maybe. Stones have been torn down. And perhaps one of the great learnings from Jesus' words today is that the Christian approach to painful endings is to trust. Trust that God can create something new out of something that has crumbled down. Your spouse dies. Your child gets sick. Your marriage ends. Your marriage is on the rocks. Your job disappears. You fail the test. You struggle with addiction. You get into some sort of legal trouble. The OUSD security officer says it's going on your permanent record. When it feels like the temple in Jerusalem, your touchstone with God is fallen to the ground. When it feels like your world is crumbling around you, we as God's people are called today to remember the cross leads to Easter. The passion leads to the resurrection. Jesus didn't just die, he died and he rose. In our baptism service, we talked about it. Because Jesus rose, we will rise too. That's the center of our faith. That's the rock that we place ourselves upon. And it's not a building. It's not a geographical locale. It's not the actual city of Jerusalem over there in the Middle East. It's a belief that our relationship with Jesus Christ, the risen one, leads us from death to new life for eternity, but even here and now. My friends, that is something that we can stand on. That's a firm foundation. That's winning life. So in this epitaph series, I actually would like to offer maybe Luke 21, 19 would be a great epitaph for many of us. Stand firm and you will win life.